So good morning, church. We're going to talk about peace today, huh? Good. Before we do that, I want to go ahead and dismiss our children to their classes. I know he's excited. He's like, yes, I thought they forgot about me, but they remembered to release me. I don't want to hear that guy. I got class to go to. Maybe they have a snack. I know they got an activity. We'll put some together. It's great. So as our children are dismissed, I want you to, to come on and stand to your feet. I know you just sat down. We're going to be in the, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And when you got to say so, I'll wait a moment. It's after Galatians and before Philippians. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God. We thank you because we know that you are the Prince of Peace, dear God. We thank you, my Lord God, for this opportunity that we have to dig into your word in these next few moments, dear God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, dear God, soft hearts, dear Lord, that your word would pierce our hearts, dear God. Father, that you would convict convict us and grant us repentance. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So Advent, we're like smack dab in the middle, and I love it. Bishop was like, you know, sometimes we're interrupted. We get into our flow, into our routine, and sometimes we need an interruption or two to go ahead and remind us that, listen, we're not just these drones going through the motions that like this right here, what we're doing is for real. Amen? I said, this is what we're doing right here is for real. Amen? Amen. This is not what we do. This is who we are, right? We are children of the king. We come together, right, as a display of how God wants us to abide in unity together as one body. Amen? Amen? So when you come to church, when you come and you gather in the body, man, it's synergistic. What you're doing in your own personal time, you come together, and when we come together, ooh, some good about to happen. Amen? Amen? All right. So Advent, much like the other seasons on the Christian calendar, are a reminder of how great God is. You serve a great God, do you not? I said you serve a great God. Amen? Amen. Y'all going to have to talk to me today. When I think about Advent, I remember, I remember what happened in the Garden of Eden. I remember how terrible it must have been for Adam and Eve to realize they missed the mark. You ever make a mistake and not realize it until later? 
like when your parents show up and they're about to go ahead and get you the beat down and you're like, oh, I, I made a mistake. I, I'm sorry. Um, can we just rewind? No? Okay. All right. And then you got to face those consequences. So they had to face the consequences of their choice. And yet, and yet, amid the hopeless situation, God proclaims a promise. He proclaims a promise. This is the first messianic promise. He promised to send someone to crush the head of the serpent. Adam and Eve would not see the promise fulfilled with their own eyes, unfortunately, but their descendants would. And so that promise was passed down from one generation to the next. And I can imagine them saying like, hey, it's not always going to be like this. God will send someone to make it right. During this time of Advent, we are refocused with the mindset of looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promise to us. He said he's coming back for us, right? He said he's coming back for us. That should give you hope, right? That like, man, no matter how bad it gets up in my life, right? Because sometimes it gets bad. Sometimes things happen to you and you're like, but why? Sometimes things happen to you because you chose. But God is good. God is gracious, right? And he's like, listen, I, you know what? You're a knucklehead. I get it. He tells me that junk all the time. He's like, man, why did you? Do- I told you not to. I told you not to, but you did anyway. I'm like, Lord, I know. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Forgive me. So he walks through it with me. But he's coming back for us, the church, and we will live with him in perfect peace for all of eternity. It's like unlimited refills, okay? You ever been to a place where you're like, they're like, okay, it's 50 cents a refill. You're like, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. This is a soda fountain up in here. Like, I paid for the cup, and like, so that guarantees me, like, automatic refills every time. No? What kind of place is this? What kind of establishment is it that I got? Anyway, anyway. All eternity. All of eternity in peace. No more suffering, no more pain, no more aches and pains. Free, living in his presence, in his very presence with him. We're going to see him face to face. I don't know if you get that, but man, we are going to see him, our savior, our hero, face to face. Man, we have a great hope, do we not? I want you to think about this this morning. Our only hope for peace is found in Christ. Our only, only is a, is a funny word, right? It's singular. Like, this is the, the only way. As people, we're like, but is it really? Like, isn't there like another way? Can I talk to a supervisor? Can I escalate? The only way. So if you're looking for peace, Christ is the only way. You can try other things. Feel free to waste your time. It's your time. But you will come back to the place where it's like, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. 
So for man, peace was disrupted in the Garden of Eden when man sinned against God. What a terrible day. This sin created a rift between God and man. It created a separation that was impossible for man to bridge. Impossible. Romans 5.12 says, this is how sin and death entered the world. Sin is the cause of the disruption in the relationship between God and man. And even the cause of the relationship between man and neighbor, right? If somebody sins against you, right, that doesn't bring you together, does it? Doesn't it give you like warm, fuzzy feelings like, man, I love it when you sin against me. Man, I just, I feel so connected to you. From the pit of hell. Lies. Lies. Sin is a disruptor. Sin causes us to separate. And that is terrible. For those of you that have come to know the Lord and walk in his ways, you know, we are reminded that we are supposed to, right, love one another. That love covers a multitude of sins. So when others sin against us, when others, like, cause offense in our lives, we're supposed to go ahead and forgive and come together. Man, that is so hard, is it not? Because in the world, you know what you could do? You just cut people off. Be like, we're not friends anymore. I don't know you. Listen, you could be dying right here, and I'd be like, nah, man, you wronged me. You wronged me. So you know what? You're going to get what you deserve. I'm out. Now, even if you don't know this history about how sin entered the world and all that, even if you didn't know any of that history, God has given man a conscience. And if man were honest with himself, he'd confess that there is a deep feeling that something is amiss. Something is wrong. And for this reason, people try to go ahead and do good. They'll go ahead and help old ladies across the street. They'll go ahead and try to volunteer their time. I have to give back, right? Why? Because it makes you feel good. <laughs> it gives you this sense like, man, you know, I'm doing something. I'm doing something right. There's, there's like a sense of, of peace, but it's fleeting. It is fake. It goes away. Now, I'm not saying that doing good is a bad thing. Doing good is a great thing. We should give back. We should go ahead and help others. We should. If we see somebody in need and we can make a difference in that person's life, man, what are you doing? What do you think you were placed on this earth for? To be the difference, right? And so we are supposed to go ahead and be the difference. Some people might even go to church because it makes them feel good, right? I'm doing something spiritual for my spiritual health, you know. The heart's not in it, though. These activities are good, but they do not address the, or resolve the deep, deep source of what is really wrong. It doesn't resolve it. Romans 6.23 is super clear. The wages of sin is death. That's terrible. But the thing that is even more terrible is that you can earn wages all day, right? You can earn that. We cannot escape this truth no matter how hard we try. And believe me, we try really hard. 
no matter how many good deeds we do, nothing works. Hear me, hear me, nothing works. It might make you feel better for the moment, but it will not resolve that warring that is going on inside you. It won't. There is but one, the only way. In the Old Testament, we see the sacrificing of animals. This served as a temporary fix for, a, for that deeper, deeper problem. It also served as a reminder to the people that there needs to be a spilling of blood to atone for their sin. Ultimately, what does it show them? Ultimately, it shows them that man's efforts always fall short. Any attempt to save yourself, to bring peace on your own, is hopeless. Hear me, it is hopeless. You trying to do it on your own, it will fail. No matter how good it looks on the outside, in the end, it will fail. I've come to depress you this morning. <laughs> We're all failures. Great, wonderful. But when you get to that point that you're like, man, there is no hope, you realize that you need a hero, right? Heroes do what? Heroes come in and do the impossible. Heroes come in and provide hope in a hopeless situation. We are hopeless, my friends. We need a hero. Say it with me. I need a hero. Need a hero to come and to save us. The amazing part of the account in the fall of Genesis is that even while God was doling out punishment, because he was doling out that punishment, he was like, going right down the line. Even while he was doling out that punishment, he displays his mercy in verse 15 of chapter 3 when he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel." I'm going to send somebody. Don't worry. You're going to suffer. It's going to be painful. But hope. I will send a hero. I didn't have you repeat the first point after me because I got excited. I'm sorry. That's my bad. So the first point was we cannot secure peace on our own. Say with me. We cannot secure peace on our own. It's hopeless, right? I hope you're feeling that. I hope you're feeling the sting of that. But it does bring us to our second point. Repeat after me. Christ is, Christ is our, peace. our peace. Christ is our peace. We just saw how God promised that he would send a Savior. He would send someone to make it right. Thousands of years passed. Because, you know, the redemption story is very long, very long one. But you know what the amazing thing about all those years is? Is that now through the prism of history, because we get to look, we have the benefit of looking back over those thousands of years. Man, we can be sure that man cannot do it. There is no doubt. Like at this point, like it's proof after proof after proof after proof that my goodness, we are hopeless. We cannot do it. We need a hero. 
We finally see the fulfillment, the fulfillment of this promise in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And I love this portion of scripture. And this is the time that we kind of get to read it together as a family. And so it's just amazing. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, minding their own business, doing their own thing, right? And there was a disruption, was there not? They were keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. I would have been very scared, very scared to see an angel of the Lord appear and um, in all the glory. I mean, you know, you turn when you turn the night into day, that's, I mean, it, it might disrupt what you're doing, right? You know, it might cause some type of disruption. Then the, Lord, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I, let me tell you, just to be honest, I would have still been, been afraid. But I mean, you know, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Do you know who is included in that all people? You and me. All people. When you think about your hopeless situation, when you think about, man, there is nothing that you can do, and you read a scripture like this, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, that should go ahead and infuse hope into your life. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly, I love in suddenly moments, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Now, if you weren't scared before, I would have been terrified at this point because my, <laughs> not just one, not a multitude of y'all show up and then you talk, talk about do not be afraid. Saying glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? Peace. Good will. will toward men. Now, I've watched enough Christmas specials to know that the next part in there um, says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> but man, man is guilty of a crime against God, and that crime is sin. That crime carries a penalty, which is death. But if someone removes the sin, check this out. If someone removes a sin, then the penalty is removed. But it can't just be anybody. It's got to be the right body, right? Because not everybody can do it. It's got to be the hero, the one that we have been waiting for, the one that they had been prophesying about from, like, the beginning, from Genesis 3. They have been talking about him, that he is coming. He will make it right. He will atone. He will bridge the unbridgeable gap between man and God. And if you put your faith and your trust in him, then you will be able to cross that impossible chasm that has separated man from God. The only way. The only way. You might think you're smart enough, and you let me go ahead and calculate and figure it out. Let me tell you something. If the God of the universe says 
This is the only way. Probably the only way. Just, just throwing it out there. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. But if someone, if God removes that sin, the penalty is also removed. That is justification. We don't deserve it, but I, man, I am sure glad. Romans 5, 1 through 2 teaches us that we have been justified by faith and have peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We not only have peace with God, we have peace with one another. Love does cover a multitude of sin. People can, can offend you, and people can wrong you, and yet, because God forgave you, right? And now you, in turn, can forgive others. Reminds me of the parable of the wicked servant, where he comes before the master, right? And he's trying to go ahead and settle the accounts. And this servant owed the master a great debt, insurmountable even. But he begged him, Master, just give me time. Give me time. I will pay you what I owe. Begging him, please, please. And he was moved with compassion. The master knew, man, this guy's not going to be able to pay this off. You know those family members. I'm going to pay you. Okay. He said, I'm going to pay you. He said, no, he was moved with compassion. He said, you know what? Forgive you all that debt. Go. Could you imagine the weight that was lifted off of him? It's like, man, I don't have to get that fourth job. And then he finds his fellow servant who owed him much less, took him by the throat. Pay me what you owe. So loving, right? So gracious, so merciful, so kind. I mean, he had just been forgiven all this debt. So you would think, right, that that would translate. But that's us. Is it not? People offend you, and you're quick to be like, oh, no, I can't, no, I can't get with them no more. I'm sorry. I got to cut them off. How much did God forgive you? How patient, how kind is he with you? And you still miss the mark. You know how I know that? Because I still miss the mark. I have friends and I know you guys. I know y'all. And you, you told me, listen, you missed the mark. And yet our God is still patient. He's still kind. He's still merciful towards you. That should inspire us, right? That should inspire us to be like, God, please help me. Help me to, just as you have bridged the gap between us, help me to go ahead and bridge those gaps with others. That that love that you have shown me would go ahead and flow through me and out toward those that I know.
according to verse 15 of this morning's text, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. In one act, Christ brought together Jews and Gentiles. Those are the two men. Made the two one, right? Jews didn't mix with Gentiles. That was like oil and vinegar. Just, they didn't mix. They didn't come together. Made two one and reconciled them as one to the Father. Man, Christ was serious about peace. He was serious about making peace. Nobody else could have done that. Christ is the only way that we can obtain peace. This brings us to my, to my third point. If you repeat after me, peace is to be shared. You know when you have something good and you're like, man, you feel like it's limited? So you're like, nah, I'm not really. This is mine. I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm not, really, I'm not really inclined to share it. I'm not, because, you know. The amazing thing about the peace that Christ offers is that he wants us to share. It's an abundant peace. He wants us, he wants us to share it with others. Because there are other times, right, when you, you know, you find a good restaurant or you find a fantastic recipe or, you know, you just, I don't know, maybe the cookie of the week at Crumble is amazing. You want to share it with me. I am willing to receive. I am. Bring it over. But when we see something, we taste the goodness of God's peace. It should motivate us to share it with others. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always, say always. always. That means you got to be always ready. Always means always, okay? Like at any given moment, you know, God is going to come in and interrupt. And that's okay because he's God. He could do that, right? Yeah. He don't need your permission. Anyway, so be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope, for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. God promised to send a Savior to pay for our sin debt and bring peace between himself and man. He kept that promise. You hear me? He kept that promise. So when he promises that he'll be back for us, we can trust and believe that he really is coming back for us, his church, to live with him in perfect peace for all of us, say all, all of eternity. Listen, he already did the impossible, right? He's like, oh, what? You think I can't do it again? Watch me. Just watch me. And this is the thing. Because he's done it before, we can trust and believe that he will do it again. If he promised it, man, we can stand firm upon that promise. It don't matter what the situation looked like. It doesn't matter how long it takes because, listen, his time is not our time. I want him to come now. But guess what? I don't think he's coming right now, you know, like in this very moment. But I mean, maybe he could. I don't know. That's the beauty of it. You don't know. You always have to be ready, right? You got to have your go bag, right? Like, I'm ready. Right now, 
I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. Are you ready to go? Boy, I didn't get a lot of amens on that, man. Bishop, I'm worried. I'm worried, Bishop. I don't know what's going on. Y'all need to be ready. Come on now. He's really coming back for us. Yeah, be with him forever, all in turn. Armed with that truth, I can share the path to peace with others because it's the only one that works. Don't you love it when things work? It's great. Isn't it frustrating when things don't work? Then you're trying to figure it out. You're like, oh, my God. You pick it apart. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You're trying to go ahead and go to YouTube University and figure it out. You're like, oh, my God, what is going on? Please help me, Lord. And then you end up just throwing it away and buy a new one. <laughs> it just it happens. It is what it is. Verse 17 of this morning's text outlines for us that Christ came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. As followers of Christ, those that have attained this peace have the privilege to be ambassadors for Christ. We get to share that peace. We get to share that peace that we enjoy with others. That is an amazing, an amazing thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21 outlines it beautifully. It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you in Christ, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in him, in his reconciling work. God has brought us together to send us out. You get that? God has brought us together, reconciled us to himself, to then send us out as his ambassadors. Ambassadors represent where they came from. I was joking with Bishop, I'm an alien, right? I don't, I don't belong here, right? I, my home is in heaven. I don't know about you, but I am a citizen of heaven, okay? I'm going back home where I belong, right? But in the meantime, the in-between time, I'm an ambassador on behalf of Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador will go ahead and promote, right, the principles, the interests of the country or the place that he comes from. Is that what you're doing? Are you, like, assimilating to, like, the country that you're at? Hey, wait a minute. I thought you were from, why are you, hmm, that don't add up. That don't add up. We are supposed to be ambassadors, right? I have a friend who, she came to me, she was a little distraught. She's like, you know, these people, they're always, you know, so negative, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I said, so what is it that you're doing? Nothing. I said, oh, oh. So you're just taking the temperature, right? So you're like a thermometer, right? She's like, what? <laughs> I said, you're like a thermometer. You're just taking the temperature. You're just like, based on whatever's going on, then you know you up, down, all over. 
I said, you know what you need to do? You need to be the thermostat. You need to be the thermostat. You go ahead and set the tone. You set the temperature. So when you go ahead and walk into a place, automatically it's different. Why? Because you're there. Are you not in Christ? If you are in Christ, right, then when you come into a situation, Christ comes with you into that situation. If he has called you to be in that place, wherever that place is, if it's your workplace, listen, you'll be the thermostat in your workplace. Don't let them dictate how you should, shouldn't. No, listen, you go ahead and you spread the love. You go ahead and spread that peace. You spread that truth, right? You'll be the salt and the light where God has placed you. Be the thermostat. Don't be the thermometer. Listen, it's easy. Thermometer just got to sit there, right? Thermostat got to work. You got to go in and turn that dial. Who turns the dial? The master th turns the dial, right? And then you just go ahead and work and work and work. Wherever he has placed you, in the school that he's placed you, in the job that he's placed you, that grocery store that you go to, that gas station that you go to, that park that you go to, Wherever it is that you go, God has placed you there. That is your mission field. Are you working it? Or are you just sitting by like, no, nah, I'm good. Hmm? No, I'm, just, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm just waiting for his return. He's, he's coming back for me. I'm living in peace. Mm, share that peace. Come on. God has called you for greater things. Listen, it's not just to sit there like a lump on a log, like be active. You are the hands and the feet. Go, go, go. He, listen, God didn't say stay, stay, stay. He said go ye therefore, right? So go. We got to go. We got to go. Help us, Lord, for real, because sometimes. So last week I shared a story about a man who had fallen overboard <laughs> on a cruise ship during Thanksgiving. During the Thanksgiving holiday, he had left on a cruise with his sister. They were going to have a good time, right? But what happened? My man had more than likely had a, a few drinks because, you know, what people do, you know? And through a series of events, which to this point, because I try to look up the story again and see, like, if there's any updates to the story. No, <laughs> the series of events continues to be a mystery as to how, how this man fell overboard. But what remains is that he fell overboard and he found himself in a hopeless situation. I imagine that at some point in time, he sobered up and realized how bad it was, <laughs> the situation that he was in. I mean, can you imagine the feeling of despair? Like, he's falling over right, and he's watching the ship just, help, come back. Oh, man. But somebody close to him, right, his sister, right, his sister was on board, Somebody close to him on that ship was like, man, my brother's missing. Something wrong. He wasn't on the boat. He was on the boat on his way to a fantastic, fun-filled destination. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. My man was in the water, right? 
poor guy. The officials on the sh- on the ship they they searched for the man on the boat. They were showing pictures of the man to the guests on the. Have you seen this man? Have, have you seen this man? I mean, I, I can only imagine how his sister felt. I mean, I know how I feel about my siblings. You know, I like to bust their chops and insult them because that's how we go ahead and show each other love. <laughs> that's how we do. But don't insult my sibling. I love you. I'll forgive you. Hmm. But I know how I feel about them. And man, if I lost one, I wouldn't be able to eat. I wouldn't be able to sleep. I'm looking for my sibling, man. I miss them. I, they're not here. We need to look for some. You need to find my, my sibling. Help me. So the cruise official on board decided. It was time to call for help. They needed help. They're like, man, we can't find him on the boat. Maybe he fell over. It hadn't been confirmed yet. So critical was this mission to find this guy that had fallen over that they turned that cruise ship around to retrace their route. You think those people on the cruise ship were happy? I mean, I know how I feel about my cruises, right? Like, Listen, don't be turning around. We're going to destination, okay? (laughs) These feet have been designed to be on the beach. That's where they belong, toes in the sand and, you know what I mean, hanging out, living my best life, as they say. But the call went far and wide. A search area of 200 miles was established. A multi-crew search by air and sea ensued. One man. This man had fallen overboard sometime late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. The water was like 70 degrees. I need my water like 90. Just saying. Like, I need a, like, bathtub, like, before I go in. My kids, every time I go to the beach, they're like, Dad, come on, let's get in the water. I'm like, oh, no. I'm good. I'm going to stay right here in the sand where it's warm. I'm good. I'm good. And then they forced me to go in there. I love them. People were not looking for him until way after he had fallen overboard. But miraculously, around 830 on Thursday, Thanksgiving, right, there was a crew of a bulk carrier ship that had spotted something in the water. It was the man. It was the guy. The Coast Guard dispatched a helicopter, and I mean, this this man had no idea. It's crazy because this man had no idea that anyone was looking for him. We have the perspective of like, yeah, they called him, and you know, they noticed whatever. But my man is out in the water, alone, open for a miracle. I don't I don't know if he's he was saved. I don't know. Maybe he was like, man, maybe if some dolphins find me, you know, they can, you know. Flipper can take me into land. I don't, I mean, you know, I I don't know. I have no idea. This man had no idea people were looking for him. Just like some people have no idea that you're praying for them. You recognize their loss. They're out there by themselves. You're on your face. You're standing in the gap for them, praying for them, memorizing scriptures, making sure that you're ready. Like, if the Lord invites you into that kingdom word and the door's open, like, okay, you busting through. You're like, hey, this is what the Bible says. You know, you looking for peace? Hey, 
He is our peace. This man probably was thinking, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of here? How many scenarios must he like been thinking of like, okay, if this happens, then man, I could do this. Or, you know, maybe if I go ahead and float on my back. I, I don't know what he was thinking. I know me. I would have been thinking a lot of things. You know, I would have been thinking about my family. I'm like, man, I got a family. Hopefully my life insurance is up to date. I think it is. You know, just thinking about like, man, I'm, I'm going to miss my daughter's wedding. I'm going to miss her graduating. I'm going to, man, just so many things that I'm like, man. I don't know what was running through his head. I know one thing. He's like, man, how am I going to get home? I just want to go home. Did he conclude that, man, he wouldn't be able to get out, get out of the situation on his own? Did he come to that conclusion like, man, you know what? This is hopeless. I don't know. But I do know this. Then when my man saw that helicopter coming, whoo. I saw the video, too. Like, they had the video. I mean, you couldn't really see it because it's, you know, dark and, like, you know, but they had, like, the infrared. And my man was, like, you know, he's like, like this, but he was, like, waving. Like, come get me. I am dying. Please help me. Get out of this water. I need to go. And I guarantee you this. When they went ahead and lowered the basket, he didn't say, no, 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 I'm good. I'm just, I'm going to figure it out on my own. He didn't say that, right? Oh, he didn't. He was like, get me out of here to now because I got to go. My man realized that, hey, he was hopeless. He couldn't rescue himself. I'm here to tell you, listen, lost people need Christ. They need a hero. It doesn't matter what they think they need. It doesn't matter what, you know, they need Christ. That has to burn inside of us because you're going to go ahead and get rejected. You're going to get people to say, no, nah, no, nah, man, I'm good. You know you're dying, right? Like, you know, like, here, I'm here with the rescue team. We're here to go ahead and get you out of this hopeless situation that you're in. You need this. People will say no. But you know better. My encouragement is keep praying for them. Keep sending out the rescue helicopter. Eventually, they'll realize, right? Eventually. We can also look at it like this. Are we too busy enjoying our peace to turn the ship around? Like I said, listen, you know, we enjoy peace, right? We're on the boat. The steel drum band is like, you know, doing that thing. I'm like, eh. We having a good time. Where are we going? What are we going to eat today? You know, what's going to be in the midnight buffet? Like, you know, what a skirt. I'm planning my excursions, right? Because I'm at peace. I'm safe on this boat. But are we too busy? Are we too entertained to bother with somebody else's need for peace? Is that who we are? Like, no, I'm, I'm good. Listen, I got this I got to do, and I got the other thing I got to do. I just, you know, I, you know just uh, hit me up next week, like Thursday. We're too busy. When we hear about the loss, those that are without hope, are we complacent? Are we like, man, you know what? Yeah, that person's lost. You know, you should go really and talk to that person over there. 
but what about you? Like, what, what about you? You're over here enjoying this peace, but you don't want to share with nobody? Could you imagine if someone took that approach with you, took that stance, took that, that, that approach with you where it's like, nah, you know, somebody else can get that person. Would you be here today? Like now? I don't know. Man, we, we sing that song, where would I be, where would I be? I wish I could sing. But we ask like, man, where, where would I be? Without the Lord, where would I be? I tell you what, I wouldn't be at peace. I don't know where I would be. Or is this you? Are you like that sister that was on board? You think that sister let up? You think that she was satisfied with, like, the officials telling her, oh, yeah, no, we can't find your, your brother. I'm sorry. You sorry? No. No, 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 no. We got to do something. My brother is missing. You don't understand. My brother is missing. He is not here with us enjoying what it is that we're doing here on this ship. He is not here. I need him here with me. This sister was committed. She was like, no, you need to find my brother. What if she would have stayed silent? What if she would have been like, oh, oh well, maybe he's off doing him. I don't Are we like that with the people that we know that are lost? Do we press? Do we say, God, do we, are we crying? Are we broken before our God, begging him to intervene in the lives of those that do not know him, those that are without peace? Is that who, are we characterized as those people? Are we committed like that? Man, so many times I hear Bishop's testimony, and you know, thank God for praying mom and a praying grandmother, that were consistent, that were constantly before God just asking and asking and asking and praying. I had a mom like that and a grandmother like that. They didn't give up. Are we those people? Man, as I was preparing this message, I'm like, man, is that who you are? Looking at myself in the mirror, Aldo, is that who you are? Are you that committed? When's the last time you were broken before the Lord over somebody's condition? Over somebody that doesn't have peace with the Lord? Over somebody that hasn't surrendered to God? When's the last time? And yet here we are enjoying, right? Yeah, we're on that cruise ship. We're like, hey, it's all good. It's great. Meanwhile, somebody's out in the water. This is serious. My brothers, my sisters. God has called us in to send us out. Not just called us in to be like, yeah, we good. He's called us in to send us out. So I want to close with these two questions. Are you at peace with God, or are you still trying to figure it out on your own? Christ has done a finished work. 
he's the one that paid the debt. He's the only one that could have. If you're here today and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know the Lord. I don't know that type of peace. I don't walk with him. I encourage you, surrender. Surrender your life to him and you will experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that is inexplicable. A peace that cannot be shaken. A peace that is not temporary. A peace that is eternal. No one can take it from you. A perfect, complete peace. Only Christ can offer that. For those of you that have already put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He is your peace. He is your peace. He has reconciled you to the Father. He has brought you in. He has made us His people, His sons, His daughters. And now He is sending us out. Are you being faithful to the call? Are you too busy 